Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer living on the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, otherwise known as Vancouver, Canada. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world to talk more about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious and prosperous existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey everyone, this is Surya. Welcome to A Voice for Love. And today I'm very excited to welcome my special guest, Jackie Cote. Welcome, Jackie. Hey there. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you. So can can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself for anyone who doesn't know you? Absolutely. So I am a publicity and business strategist and I help thought leaders, authors, experts to get featured in the media and to be able to use their stories to bring about more transformation. I find that, you know, my background as a journalist and a TV reporter had me in this world of just being surrounded with doom and gloom. And I remember after doing that for about three years, I just decided that I wanted to be on the other side of the narrative. I wanted to be able to help empower other leaders to get their stories out there so that there is more positivity, that people see more possibility in what it is that they're doing and not just the things that are going wrong every day. So that's what we've been doing for the last eight years. I have a company called More Good Media, and it's all about getting more good media out in the world. So it's been fun. Oh, thank goodness for you, because we we need that. <laughs> you know, uh, we absolutely need that because it's true. So you were actually in that world yourself before you started your own company. How was that? How did you obviously that inspired you to make a change? But how did you find that process? It, it was interesting because when I left media, I did it thinking that I would just launch into being an entrepreneur and that the skies and stars would align and it would be happily ever after. And what I realized is that building a successful business really is a journey of personal development. In the beginning, I didn't know how to charge for my services. I didn't know what my worth was. I didn't know that you know there were certain things that you need to have in place to have a business uh, and that allows you to leverage and free up your time while running the business. And so it took me some years to figure that out. And I remember when I finally got a coach and got a mentor and got a community that were supportive, I at the time said, I didn't even want to do anything related to publicity and PR. I remember shying away from that. I'm like, I just am going to help people live their dreams and thrive. I'm going to be a yoga coach. I'm going to help people with traveling, like all the things that were my hobbies. And it took me really leaning in to the coaching, but also just realizing what were my gifts and what were the lessons that I had learned with this background that I had and how could I apply it in a way that was on my terms. And so I realized that I am really masterful at messaging. I'm masterful at how to help people position what they do and how to make sure that they're able to cut through the noise and really make an impact with their work. And all I had to do was really figure out how to 
put that in a way that wasn't what it what I thought it had to be. I thought it had to be the way other PR firms were operating and the way the media taught you to do it. And what I realized was that I could create it in a way I could really reinvent it in a way that aligned with me. And so that was my biggest journey. But it's also just been the biggest source of transformation is me stepping into my expertise, me stepping into my authority and owning it and not being apologetic about it and having a certain amount of audacity to even think that it can be done differently and it can be done in a way that is more impactful. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for being authentic about your your journey because I find that the, especially sort of in the coaching industry, it's like saturated with these stories of like, oh, I took this, you know, I hired this one coach and then my business blew up overnight and it creates all of these really um, unrealistic expectations that people have for business because like we both know, you know, it's not always easy peasy. It's not always peachy. And, but I, I always look at it as like our business is like an extension of our personal growth, right? It's like, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you're signing up for like a double journey. You're going to, you're going to figure out how to make your business work. And you're also going to learn a heck of a lot about yourself in the process, right? Yeah, it's definitely, definitely been that. And honestly, I feel so grateful for that now. Now there have been moments where I didn't feel grateful for that. I was very much resistant and just feeling like, woe is me and all of that energy. And especially early on in my business, when I was trying to figure out how to really monetize it. When I first started my business the second time around, it was really because I had just given birth to my son. My son's about to be eight years old this month. And uh, I had just given birth to him. And I felt like I had to figure it out because for the first time in previous times of trying business, I was like, oh, I'm kind of I'll get to it. But I realized when I was holding this baby that time was ticking. And at the time I was working a full-time job that was very demanding. I was a government spokeswoman and it was nights and weekends and it just was very demanding. And I did not have the flexibility to say, I want to just be with my son more. And so when he was born, I really decided that I've got to do whatever it takes and really figure out how to be successful at this thing. And it took me about two years to do that. It took me two years and one more baby when I had my daughter. I finally was like, okay, I'm in a place where I can leave my job. I can uh, really make it in the coaching world. Um, and I had started to learn more about how to package what I did and what to charge and all the things that were kind of disconnected before. And so that's, I think, has been the biggest journey is me actually honoring the word, honoring my word to myself to be able to be the mom that I wanted to be, which was a mom that was present but also that I am able to show my kids what's possible. Um, and so that's been really important. Oh, I love that. And as a mom, I can totally relate. It's really that dance between like having, you know, the time that you want to spend with your child or your children. And then, you know, also how the heck are you going to make this happen? Because we all need to live and create a, you know, an, an income and take care of ourselves and our kids somehow. So that's such a, and I'm so inspired by, by stories. And that's what keeps me going too. And I also think it's really, you know, in many other cultures, children grow up seeing their parents work and they grow up seeing their mother's work. And that's very normal. You know, the child will come to, you know, wherever the mom is working 
working and just hang out. And I think it's really good for, for children to see parents working and, and understand what that, what that whole process is rather than just like, okay, mom or dad or both of them go away for like so many hours a day. And I don't really know, but when you have this type of a business, I think it's more hands-on and your kids end up, you know, I won't be surprised if, <laughs> if, if my little one comes in right now, like he often does. And, but it's just funny. It's just all become part of it. At first I was like horrified. And then I was like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. It's funny. It's like the funny moment where he, you know, he'll pop in and say something and it usually brings a bunch of light to the situation anyway. So it makes it fun. Yeah. It's really, really cool. I think I agree with you. It's really cool. And I think that we are able to raise children that are even more conscious, even more aware that they have choices. And I, I believe that we're showing them examples of possibility on an entirely different level. And so that's what I, I look at is just, you know, that, that, that my kids get to, I get to do better and be better. And that is going to really inspire them as they're growing up with examples that they have choices. Oh, that's so wonderful. I love that. So um, we've, we've known each other for, for a while, for a few years, we've sort of been in, in touch, but I, I would love for you to share a little bit. I, I think I'd asked you to be on the podcast before, but this time I really asked you again because of a story that you shared in one of your newsletters a few weeks ago, and it just blew my mind. So I would, I would love you, you know what story I'm talking about. Um, if you could share a little bit about that with us, because it just was such an incredible story. Yeah, so it's it's interesting that um, a big and you know there's so many different layers to this, and I'll I'll just kind of start by saying that when I was a child, I was in a fire um, at the age of six, and at the time I uh, was staying with my grandparents, and I you know a fire broke out. This was before smoke detectors and things like that. And myself, my sister, and my younger cousin were all staying there. And my sister that was younger than me, she was four years old at the time, she died in the fire. And, you know, it was because the firefighters couldn't find her. She had hid under the bed. And, um, you know, it's for many years, I had a lot of survivor's guilt about it. I had a lot of like, why did I live? What happened? I was the oldest. I was supposed to protect her. I mean, I was six. How was I? I could barely, you know, protect myself. And what I will say is that part of my journey has been really reframing and really seeing the miracle and the goodness and um, the d divineness of that experience, if that makes sense. I spent many years in very much victim mode, and it's only really been in the last 10 years that I've reframed it. And there's so many pieces that have happened that have connected for me to understand that that experience actually served me. It did not take away from me. And so... You know, recently I was sharing with my email community about the fact that, first of all, I, there's different layers, like I was saying. But first of all, I later went that government job that I spoke about a, a few minutes ago. One of the reasons why I ended up there was because that was a fire uh, public safety agency. And I thought I want to give back to the profession that had saved my life as a child. Well, it turns out that while I was working at that agency, um, one of the chiefs there just happened to ask me, hey, 
uh, are you that little girl that was, and you know, so the story kind of came back because the fire service is a small world. It's like, if you know, you know, this, this agency and that agency, chances are someone knows each other. And so uh, through this, through me being at that fire service agency, working as their communication spokeswoman, um, we start to connect the dots between people that they know, that I know, that were a part of that experience when I was six. And one of those connections was the guy who actually saved my life. The, the paramedic back then. Now, again, this is before social media. So people might be listening like, how would you, how are you not, how would you not stay in touch with someone who saved your life? It's like back then you don't just, mm-hmm. you know, friend each other and you definitely stay in touch. And so it wound up happening that one of the fire chiefs that was at the agency I was working at knew of the incident. And they also knew of someone who knew the firefighter that saved my life. And so it wound up putting us back in connection with one another after 30 years of not being in connection. And uh, the interesting thing is that we connected or we got reconnected, but we actually never talked. And it wasn't until he passed that I actually got connected with his family. And that's the story that you saw me share about was that, it, again, it's in, it, there's so many layers to this, but I would say that when we finally got reconnected, it was one of those situations of like, oh, I definitely need to reach out to him. And I think I even tried to call him, but maybe didn't have the number right. And this just kept putting it off. Right. And it wound up being that when he passed, his family found me on social media and they just kind of asked, hey, are you that little girl who my, you know, and I think it started off with this might sound strange, but are you that little girl that uh, my dad Wilmer saved back in the 80s. And um, I'm like, yeah, I am. And, you know, he's like, I'm sorry to have to share this with you, but Wilmer passed. And I wanted to make sure that I got in touch with you to tell you because he always talked about, you know, and so it was one of those situations that I've learned so much about what that experience in my life has done and meant to me and how it's shaped me, but also from the people it's allowed me to cross paths with. And I think that specific lesson and the lesson I would want those listening um, to know and the one that I've been sharing around is just that life really is now. And when you have those people and those experiences in your life, because what I did was I just kept putting it off. I kept putting it off to reconnect with him and to, to reach back out and things like that until it was too late. Um, and so it really taught me about the fact that life is now, that it's so important not to live with regrets or, or to do things so that you don't have regrets. And I thought the beautiful thing about all of that was that I at least got to meet his family. I at least got to hear and learn more about who he was um, and go and, you know, say goodbye at his funeral and speak at his funeral um, and have this new beautiful connection through that experience. The only other thing I'll say about this um, is what I realized, and I know people who are listening probably are familiar with like shamans and things like that. Um, But a few years ago, I was in Arizona. I was speaking on stage at an event. And one of the women that was also there as a speaker, we were kind of colleagues and she took me on a journey to reconnect with my sister, my, my lost sister. And in that journey, one of the big ahas that came to me, because again, I was for many years holding it as 
oh man, I messed up. I dropped the ball. Like, why am I, you know, why not her? Why, why this, why this happened? And one of the things that came about through that, that journey that I took to reconnect with my sister was that my sister's gift is very much integrated into the work that I do right now to help people be seen, to help people uh, have more visibility. And the gift of her passing was a lesson for us all to not die hiding, to not die hiding. That was what came from that shamanic experience, reconnecting with my sister. She's like, I mean, I saw her clearly and that was her message to me, Jackie, don't let people die hiding. And so all of a sudden I'm like, that's why I do the work I do. That's why I've had so much success in this realm, in the media realm, was helping people to get their work out there, helping them to be seen, to not, I mean, there's a lot of people that do, like they're wallflowers. They're like, not me, I don't wanna, you know, and that's what my sister's death has really taught me. And so again, I mean, it's, it's, lots of different layers, but I feel like that in and of itself is the, the most precious gift. Now when I look at that experience, that fire, her passing as a gift that was really meant to be paid forward to, to so many more people. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That is profound. And that's exactly what you do. You help people be, be visible and you help them be seen. Yeah. So that for me, you know, it's, it's interesting because for those people that are listening, that are wondering, like, how do I know what, what it is that I'm meant to do or how do I figure it out? And all of those things is, I think sometimes it's very difficult to connect the dots looking forward. You can only really connect the dots looking back. And when I look back now, I'm like, now I see that, all the different things that hold people back from sharing, from putting themselves out there, they're really all illusions. They're false illusions. And I think that the more people get that life is short, that life is now, that you get to have and make an impact, not when, you're, when you've got things perfect. And I think that's one of the biggest things is it's not about perfection, it's about progress. And so the more people that are out there sharing their power, the things that they love, their stories. Sometimes people say to me, well, Jackie, I don't know if I, if I need to be seen. I mean, I'm a health coach and there's thousands of health coaches out there. And what I often tell people is that the way that you teach health, the, your stories, your, the, the things that you've overcome in your journey, the things that you've helped clients with is different than the other thousands of people that do it. And so it's so important that people kind of drop the illusions and drop the things that in their mind has them thinking they're not enough or they're not ready and to actually get out there and start making an impact on a different level because it's those stories that are going to really empower us collectively to rise. 
Mm, yes, thank you for that. Yeah, I love that. And it's um, this came up with, I think it was a client recently in a session. And um, what I said to her, and this is something that I had to look at as well. And I'm like, nobody wants to hear this. But actually, a lot of this, this resistance that we have to being seen is actually selfish, because it's actually like it's this thing going on inside of ourselves. Like, we really think that if we put this thing out there, or that we do this thing, other people, you know what, chances are, and once you start doing it, you learn, people don't even notice half the time. Yeah, you might get attacked here and there. You might get some pushback. But for the most part, especially now with the amount of noise going on on the social media highways, it's like, holy moly, there's so much there. People just, you know, they scroll on by like it doesn't even matter. It's these things and these stories that we tell ourselves and then we hold ourselves hostage from doing what we're meant to do because of all of these fears. So that's so great that you can because I know especially like for me, it was very difficult being so empathic and highly sensitive. Like it was like it was like a panic. But especially since 20. 2020. I mean, I've always been somewhat active on social media, but when 2020 kicked in, something in me just told me like, I need to be out there sharing. And so consistently sharing, almost daily sharing really shifted something in me. And now I can just like post and share things and there's no, the resistance is gone. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Like, you know, sometimes it's sometimes depending on what I share, you know, I get a little bit of kickback or whatever, but still it's like, it's just, you just do it when you're in service. That's what you, you know, we, if we're in service, that is part of the service is that we just have to, you know, put ourselves out there and not worry so much about what other people are going to think because we're, we're not meant, our message is not for everyone and it will just, you know, bypass or blow over the people that it's not meant to meet and meet. And eventually the more that we share, it will reach the people that we are meant to reach. Yeah. And I, I, I love that you share that. There's a few things that you said that are really important that I want to make sure people heard. First is, you know, there's a certain amount of resistance that everyone has. And I think sometimes people look at people that are successful, even me, like in media, it's like, I still have resistance in life. I, you know, remember recently did a big detox and lost like, you know, tons of pounds. And it was, res it was a lot of resistance in the beginning. I'm like, do I really need to eat the smoothie? You know? And so, but it's like with anything, you go from the resistance period to you starting to get in the flow. And I think that the flow often happens through consistency. And that's the second piece of what I love about what you shared is there's a certain amount of consistency that also establishes you as a trusted a trusted expert or a trusted person. Like there's a lot of trust that's built when people know they can count on you. Doesn't mean you need to be on social media 24 seven and posting, you know, hundreds of times a month. You might just say, I'm going to post once a week, but that consistency will start to build a level of you being able to open your capacity to even hold more. And so I think that there's a lot of beauty to that um, and beauty. And, you know, it's interesting because I think sometimes think people think because I'm in the media, that I'm, I've never had those challenges. I remember when I first started a blog, this was 10 years ago before I started coaching. And I remember just being like, okay, I started a blog because everyone said I should be blogging. And that looks like what people are doing these days. And I remember letting the blog sit there, Surya, for almost a year, a year. I think I did. And you guys might be laughing because you probably have maybe opened a Facebook. I see this all the time with Facebook pages. People will be like, I got a new Facebook page. And then you look three months later and nothing's posted. And so, but what, what I realized was that I was paralyzing myself 
with perfection. And it was like, what are people going to think? What should I post on? And so all of those things paralyzed me. What I've since come to realize, and this is what I often teach clients, even when it comes to media interviews and messaging and things like that, is that you actually are going to get better by doing it. And so a lot of times people think, well, Jackie, I don't know if I'm ready to be on TV. You're never going to get ready unless you actually go out there and start doing interviews. And it's not going to happen by you studying. It's not going to happen by you conceptualizing what you're going to say in your head. It's only going to happen by you actually going out there and doing interviews. And this is why I'm a big proponent that you don't have to have arrived to start to do media. I think sometimes people think, well, I need to get the credentials or I need to work with 20 clients first, or I need to write a book, or I need to go and get a makeover, all these things, you only actually get better by doing it. And so I found that when I do interviews, it's like, that's where some of my best coaching comes from. I'm, I'm going through and I'm like, I would have never said it like that unless the interviewer had asked me like that in the frame of mind. And that's sometimes where the biggest ahas come, the the work that you wind up teaching in the world, the way that you explain it, that finally gets people to get it. So there's a lot of power to this as a business growth strategy, meaning this being putting yourself out there, <laughs> raising your visibility in ways that you, you might feel like are uncomfortable, but are necessary to the growth and the impact that you want to have. Yes. Amen to that. I was going to say it's almost like essential now the way that the, the world is set up with the Internet. And it's almost like we we have to become comfortable with all of these different aspects. We have to become our own producers, really, essentially. It's like we're doing everything. And it, I think it's really positive in a lot of ways, because, as you know, um, I'm a musician as well. And like the technology has completely changed the game, because what it means is that everyone has the capacity to produce their own music now if they have access to a laptop and a microphone and, you know, and before back in the day it was like no you had to have a record deal and be in a fancy studio or like you know try to get all this money together to go into the studio and so this the technology has changed the game for everyone but in in some some ways it's positive some ways it's a little bit overwhelming um but i think what it means is that we all have to learn to do a little bit of everything like we have to learn how to how to be comfortable so um yeah i think i think it's interesting because a lot of people especially highly sensitive people um do have this resistance and i think it's funny too you know you've probably worked with artists and stuff as well like artists have resistance as well and I want to echo what you said a hundred percent especially for everyone who's listening that everyone does have resistance and resistance doesn't really go away it just changes form so you might get over the resistance to one thing but then you're going to try to start something else and you the, the resistance is there and for me I mean I mean it's always different for everyone. But for me, I know it's always like, it's a bit of an ego thing, right? It's like, that's the ego's function is trying to keep us safe and to try to keep us small. And so when we try to like expand, there's this part of us that's going to be like, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> like, really, you know, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it becomes necessary because if we don't learn how to share what we're doing, then how is anyone going to know that we're doing it? And this was a big thing for me. Like I, I got into the spiritual, I wasn't really raised spiritual or religious or anything like that. So I got into kind of the 
new agey way of thinking very young as a teenager. And I've had to unlearn a lot of those programs because as you know, in that world, and now it is very true that we can manifest and create and all that kind of stuff. But the way that some people are making it sound is like, oh, you just snap your fingers and all these things are going to happen. So for so long, I was just thinking I could make all of these things happen by doing all these. And it worked for a while, but then it stopped working because I actually had to do the work and like, okay, actually put yourself out there, actually market yourself. I think all of these things can be very challenging for creative and spiritual entrepreneurs who I'm sure you've worked with many of, right? It's like all the, you know, we want to do this work and we want to expand and reach more people, but yet we don't want to, <laughs> you know, it's like so much resistance there. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you that one of the things that I see often, and this was something that we recently decided to open an entirely new division on in our company, is that because people are creative, and they don't have the solid legal foundation, it does open them up to um, not feeling protected or free to get to a certain level. And it's interesting how that works. It's like if the foundation of the house is not there, it's very difficult to feel like the walls and the flooring is, is you know, solid. And the way that I see this specifically and what's really unfolded for me is that a lot of times when I'm working with creatives or artists or coaches and they've got ideas like intellectual property, um, they or they are doing things like let's say they're partnering with someone or things like that. I think what often happens is that not many of us are taught how to really build a strong business or a solid business. Like I know I didn't go to school for business. No one told me, Jackie, you've got to get an LLC and you've got to have contracts and you've got to trademark your ideas. Those were things that I learned the hard way. And what I realized was that in many ways I was sabotaging my business growth because I had all these ideas and I was putting them out there, but I was kind of bypassing like the step of, okay, make sure you own that trademark before you go get a, lo a logo done with it on there, you know, or so some of these things. And so that's one of the things that recently when we're talking about elevating and elevating now as a society that I've been really a voice for, like a voice of love for, for entrepreneurs, because I think a lot of times behind the scenes, we are, there's a woman that um, I worked with that's a nurse entrepreneur and she does an event every year that's really big. She has sponsors, thousands of nurses that would come and be empowered. And um, about two years ago, she had a client that basically took her name and trademark the name of the event and owns the trademark herself and said, you know, Hey, I know you like when she was about to go do the event an another time, she wasn't even able to use the name. And this was a brand and a following that she had built up, but because she didn't get it trademarked, she was no longer able to, you know, give to the world. What was her download her, you know, her contribution in this way that she had been building it up. And so I say that because I think a lot of times, like what I've found as I've grown my business, that there's been so many fun things that have come my way where someone will be like, oh, can you be a brand ambassador for this? Or can you come speak on my stage? Or can you this? And in the excitement, I think sometimes that foundational step of, okay, what's the con what's the agreement? Like, what's our agreement? So that we're both clear is sometimes, you know, skipped as well as the idea exchange, like intellectual property. 
that piece of it is sometimes something that is forgotten about. And for me, I never really knew where to go for that stuff. I felt like whenever I did go to get help for it, it would cost me thousands. And so one of the things that I've done recently is just partnered with a company that makes it affordable for entrepreneurs and families to get legal help um, and to be able to do that so that they can be legally confident as they grow their CEO hat, you know? So I know you, 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 you know, we've connected you with that. And I think especially over the last few years with so many people fluctuating in business, it's been really important for people to have that because I think when they have that, it's easier for them to know creatively they can expand and hold more and protect it and not have it be taken you know, um, in a way that that's disempowering. Oh yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that because that is this. And I'm so sorry to hear that story. It's just, I, I, I hate it when I hear stories like that, like something similar happened to my friend. She had a script that she wrote and, you know, managed to attract the, the dream person that she had wanted to be in the script, you know, who was quite famous and unfortunately stole the, essentially stole it from her. And um, it happens all the time. And I know for me, sometimes that's still something that I hold back from. And, and it's tricky out there because I know I, I've also been stolen from many times and, you know, or it's it's a gray area, you know what I mean? And it's this weird area, especially with spiritual people, because it's like, okay, all information is free and ideas are free. And yet when you see that, you know, people watch you and then duplicate what you do and it's a, it can be very frustrating. And then it makes me, there's some things I, I still don't share or haven't shared yet because I'm waiting to get to a certain place where it's like, okay, there's an establishment there where it's like, then it's, then it's known. But yeah, I have, um, I have, I know what service you're talking about and it's a great service and it's very, if anyone wants to know more about it, you'll feel free to um, get in touch with myself or Jackie because it's um, it is very helpful because all those things and I think again these are things that sometimes creative and spiritual people don't want to deal with they don't want to deal with this these mundane aspects of, of business but yet if we don't then these terrible things can happen like this this like that's really next level that situation that you described that is like I don't even understand how somebody could do that and this was a client of like this was somebody this person knew like this is but yet it's happened to me too. I've, I've literally told people something. This is something I'm working on. Please don't tell anyone. And then the next day gone and seen that they're sharing and doing that very same thing publicly on social media. And I'm like, which part of the conversation did you not hear where I asked you to please not, you know, because when you're an idea person, you know that all these, you know, brilliant ideas can come, but yet we have to learn how to execute them properly. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes people feel like the opposite end of the spectrum is like people, I think sometimes there's also people that like from a complete place of innocence will come up with an idea that's already out there, you know? So we've got a name of a, the collective I was actually telling you about um, uh, that we started. Right. And I literally didn't look anywhere. I just like, what do I want people to experience in this? And come to find out, I was talking with my attorney because I've got an attorney that helps me with trademarking now. And I'm like, this is what I want the name to be. And the beauty of having this relationship with the attorney is that the attorney can actually search and see if somebody already owns it. You know, I think a lot of times people think, oh, well, I'll just Google it or I'll just go on GoDaddy. If the URL's there, I'm good. 
that's not the case. And so, you know, I think that's the beautiful thing. And, you know, not kind of trying to DIY it because, you know, sometimes you'll see people put the TM or put the C and they think they're good. But it's like, unless you actually have someone who's actually searching it. So sure enough, he searched it for me. He's like, you've got to change the name because someone owns this. And I'm like, really? Like, I thought it came to me from God. It's like download, you know? And, and so, but at least I know now, at least I'm not like branding it and putting it on banners and, you know, buying the URL because maybe the URL is available on GoDaddy, you know? And so it's just, I think that's the thing. So yeah, I love that you, that, that, yeah, I think it's powerful to be able to have people hear this piece because I know for me, some of the biggest challenges in my business have come because I have skipped over this part or bypassed it or didn't prioritize it. And so I always like to just let people know that there's a way to be protected and safe and to have the resource um, that makes it accessible. So, yeah, I remember I used to get just having this conversation. I forgot about this, but just since we're talking about it, like I used to get really triggered when I saw spiritual organizations, especially trademarking and all that kind of stuff. And I'd be like, oh, that's so like not spiritual. But now I realize why they, they have to do that. And it's also for your own self-protection, because if you do end up having a name or a concept or something that's too similar to something else, then you can become almost guilty by association just because people will think that you are that or, you know, so there has to be all of these things create. So they're actually it's all it's actually for our protection ultimately as well but I know that it's not always fun (laughs) yeah it isn't it's not the fun part but it's definitely fun to feel empowered and protected and safe and I think that's the piece that for me um, is why I love doing that work I consider myself an ambassador a ladies of a lady of justice because I I know it feels good to feel like the work that you're putting through is appreciated and you're not taken advantage of. And I think that that's where that empowerment comes is to know that you've got choices and that you've got a way that you're able to put your ideas out there and maybe have those ideas. You know, here's the beautiful thing about this work that you're, you're doing that, that I do that so many that are watching um, is, you know, we have the pot, the, we have the, what's possible. And you touched on this a little bit earlier with the fact that now technology is even way more accessible. I I know that when I was in media to go live, for example, like when I was a TV reporter, you had to be someplace where you could put a big mask up in the sky. It had to be no clouds, the sun and the moon and the stars had to align to be able to go live, to do a live shot that day. Now we just turn on our phones and we go do an IG live and it's like that. And so I believe that the because the consciousness has changed on the planet before, because more and more people are opening up to the voice of love and real, like there's a lot that has happened to make it even even easier for people to have an impact and to make a difference in people's lives. And so with that, however, part of what we want to do is understand that some of the things that we're creating, it's like we're pioneering. We are establishing, like people are going to know your name centuries from now. And so you don't want that legacy to be robbed because of you not taking the steps or kind of bootlegging it is what I, and so that's what I think about. I think about the fact that my ancestors, you know, struggled and slaved and so many things, they worked and did so many things for me to just even be able to be on a Zoom and be seen 
and share my voice. And I don't want their, their legacy to be in vain because I didn't feel like I was worth it. I didn't feel like I was worth getting the help or worth taking the step or that, or to minimize what my contributions will be. And that's why, you know, even for my company, More Good Media, you know, I, I remember what that process was like to give birth to this company. And it's interesting because, you know, you've got little ones. I've got three. So I'm very well aware of the birthing process. I feel like my baby is my, my business is baby four. And I remember like going back and forth. I'm like, huh, OK, transformational stories, positive news. And, and it was a, a spiritual experience coming up with what I want it to be known for in the world, more good media. That might sound simple, but it was an actual you know, process. Mm. And I hope that one day when, when my kids at least look back and they tell the story of Grandma Jackie, that you know the company still stands for something, that it's made the impact that I intentioned it to make. And so why would I skip the step of making sure the name is trademarked or that people don't just aren't able to use it without my permission. Like, why would I do that? You know, it just is, is a disservice to the the practice and the legacy and all that I'm able to do in the world. So, you know, I feel like I'm going to, I'm, I'm preaching now, but I'll, I'll get off the pulpit. <laughs> no, I, I love the preaching. And, and I want to add to that, that that is actually a very wise move, especially in your position as a black woman, as a woman, as anyone, because unfortunately there are certain people that are more likely to get stolen from, taken from, and, you know, no, this, this is it. So if you're in, you know, if, if you're aware of that, then that is the wise thing to do. Um, it is to take those steps to protect yourself because still in the old, you know, we're kind of transitioning out of the old structure in the old world right now. But in that old world, there are, you know, there's a lot of hungry people who will look for people that literally do not know. They will say, oh, that person's got a bright light, but they don't know what they're doing. So guess what? Then you're going to be a target for somebody to come in and take advantage of you, especially if you don't know what you're doing. So knowledge is power, right? Yeah. And that's why, again, I say, you know, it, it's when we know better, we do better. Mm -hmm. And if we were to go through history and recount all the times that things have been stolen or robbed from not just, you know, black women, but women, but, you know, all kinds of different backgrounds. It's like, why would I continue that, that cycle? Why would I not empower myself. You know, the studies show that a woman specifically is more likely to get legal help for a family or a friend than she is herself. Like us women are like, oh my goodness, you need help. Okay. Let me help you research. Let me help you look. Let me help you like, let's figure this out. But when it's a question that she has, or it's a situation that she's going through, she's less likely to pick up the phone and actually advocate or get help for herself. And so that's one of the reasons why, you know, you now see that when we talk about changing the narrative and the conversation and putting out positive stories, it's so important that this piece and, and interestingly enough, when I first bring this division into my company to be a referral source for people to get help, legal help, it seemed like two separate things. People were like, what? Jackie's helping people legally now? Like, where did that come from? But as I've gone on this journey, both personally hearing the stories of so many entrepreneurs, horror stories, but also 
optimistic stories of what has happened as a result of them taking the step. I just feel like this is part of the narrative is making sure that if we know better, we do better. Yes. Thank you. No, I, I love it. What a, what an empowering conversation actually, because it's, it's true. It's, it's, and it's interesting how sometimes these things don't make sense, but when, you know, I, I've been guided to start and so I've been slowly like working around the topic of money trauma, which at first I was very resistant to, because I was like, I don't want to be another one of these people talking about money, but like you, the more I dive into it, there are so many layers, important layers inside of that work because, you know, like money to all of these things, it's, it's funny. It's like, and it just it just goes with the territory. You can be an artist, but unless you have the capacity to have a huge team behind you, you're going to have to learn. And even if you do have a team, you should still understand the basics of everything. You should have some awareness of everything yourself so that you don't get once again taken advantage of. So I think it only works to our to our advantage to, you know, have have this knowledge. So I think it's I think it's great. And especially with the legal stuff, because that is why so many people do end up getting in trouble or getting their ideas stolen or so many different things can happen when you don't take the proper steps. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to be very resistant to that as well. My, my whole life, very rebellious, very resistant. And then I started realizing, oh, there's a reason why <laughs> you should do things. And even like speaking from an energetic perspective, it actually creates the right container. So everybody, you know, a lot of the people listening here are, you know, speaking the language of energy from the energetic perspective. That is how you create the proper container. Back to your analogy of building the house. You have to have the structure and the foundation and everything in the right place. And that includes getting all of the right pieces in place on the legal side, the financial side, the, you know, all these little bits and bobs that we don't want to do usually, but in the end, they actually end up um, serving us greatly, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, I would say definitely have folks reach out to you. I know you've got the connection, um, you know, if they want support in this area, because again, I think that's the biggest challenge. When I was going through one of the most challenging moments in my business was when I had a client who we had done a bunch of work for. I had to pay my team for the work that we did for him and he did not pay us. And I remember literally like on the bathroom floor weeping because I thought like I had so many mix of emotions, you know, um, and and all I got right now or for a long time, all I had was the war scars because I didn't have anybody. I didn't have an interview or a podcast like this that said, hey, you might want to factor this in now versus when the issue happens, because that's what people often think. They think, oh, like, I'll do it later. And even hearing my story with the firefighter earlier, it's like later never came. It's like I just missed the boat on it. And I had to I, I don't want to say I had to pay dearly because I, I, I believe in taking the lessons and, you know, paying them forward. But I, I still wonder sometimes what would have happened if we had had a, one final conversation. You know, one of the things about my story and I kind of, I guess, wrap here as far as, you know, this part of the story. But when you go and you guys can even go online and just search, you know, rescue 911. Um, you can see the rescue 911 video of our, my story with my name, but in the video, when he, when they ask him, because they took us out of the home, we were lifeless, like we're not breathing. And one of the things they asked him in the video in the 911 interview is why did you keep working on her? You know, because they, pulled me out and he said, this one's dead. This one's not going to make it. This one's lifeless. Like she doesn't have a pulse anymore. And um, he said the moment that he believed 
that it wasn't possible to resuscitate me was the moment that he would have not been able to. And here it is. He's saying this in the 80s. That was before like people were really, really thinking like positive thinking, mm -hmm. you know, all the things that now we're like, it's well versed. But I'm, I always wanted to ask him, like, what made you think like that back then? You know, that that you didn't even want the negative thought to enter your head. And I think about how that was the seed of me living, like of me actually having a second chance at life was the fact that he refused to even go there. Even though people were telling him this one's not going to make it, this one, you know, was in too long, this one's not breathing. It's like the moment he even decided to let that thought in might have been the moment that would have cost me my life. And so I always think like I would have loved to have had another conversation with him because I just am fascinated that even back in the 80s, he was thinking that way and that he not only thought it, but he acted as if there was still hope, which in fact it was because I'm here today to be able to share and, you know, to talk to you guys. So, yeah, it's just been a joy. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And before just I just want to share what I what I just saw in my when when you were telling me the story and I literally saw like a huge angel come in. So I don't know if he thought that way or if he, if that was his regular way of thinking or in that moment, but I just saw this big angelic presence come through because it was not your, it was not your time to go that I have goosebumps now. It's like the angelic presence, like spoke to him in some way, shape or form in a way that he understood that he knew, like, I can't let this one go. Like this one, this one's got a purpose here. So there, that's like, Wow. And I feel like he, and it's funny because I feel like your connection to him is almost, is like angelic. Like he was your angel in life. And now he's a, you know, he's continuing that presence like an angel from, from wherever he is now. And yeah. And I want to affirm that too. Like what a wonderful story. And I had a friend once and he, he passed away, unfortunately, but about two weeks before he passed, for some reason, he he'd been calling me about six months earlier to return some CDs that I had of his. And for some reason, about two weeks before he passed, I started having this really strong feeling. I got to go meet up with him and give him back these CDs. And little did I know that that was the last time that I would see him. And that, that's happened to me a few times. So I just want to share for anyone, when you feel that, those nudges, follow them especially like when you feel because some we we really don't know what's going to happen right especially especially right now there's a lot of people that are, are transitioning and leaving the planet so everyone who's listening right now follow those nudges if you feel the the urge to pick up the phone and you know call somebody that you haven't talked to in a while maybe maybe follow that not because they're necessarily going to to pass on but just because we don't know what the reason is yeah, yeah. And that's along the same lines of, you know, what we were talking about with the legal side of things as well is that I think if you've got a nudge that's like, I know I need to protect this or I know I want support in this area, like follow it. Don't put it off for sure. Mm, yes. Oh, Jackie, what a joy. Thank you so much for, for, for coming on and chatting with us. So can you tell everyone where can they find you if they want to learn more about you and all the great things that you do? Absolutely. So my website is moregoodmedia.com, M-O-R-E, the word good, media.com. And, you know, on there, you definitely will see what we're up to. We've got a really great free gift, which uh, I don't know if it'll be uh, able to be linked, but if you go to moregoodmedia.com slash elevate now, you can take advantage of some templates that we have to help you get more legally confident. So things like contracts and what are some things that you need to have in place 
plus the pitfalls to avoid. And so I just want to give that to you as my free gift, because I still remember when I first got started, I would Google to death things. And it's hard sometimes to trust the caliber of Google. So um, I've put that together because so often people ask me. And then, you know, I'm definitely on Instagram a lot these days. So if you follow me on Instagram and just private message me and say, hey, you saw me on the Voice of Love podcast, I'd love to connect and, you know, definitely uh, see what you're up to in the world. So yeah, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much, Jackie. (laughs) Thanks so much. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.